0: I'm gonna make 300 grand. All right, well, okay, 300 grand, that means how are you gonna work the numbers backwards? Well, how much do you have to sell? I have no idea, but I'll make 300,000, right? You see this all the time. So, well, oh, let's yeah. work, so if you sold 15 million at 3%, that's 450, the company takes a split, you spent the more. Are you able to sell 15? No, I can't sell 15 million bucks, but then you're not gonna make 300,000. So let's start with a realistic goal of what you're gonna sell the first year.
1: So the question is this, How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey guys, this is Aaron Steggy for a quick commercial break and here is a paid advertisement from a guy whose voice you might recognize.
2: Do you want to invest in real estate without all the work? I mean like incredible returns, massive tax savings, one of the best inflation hedges of all time without all those headaches that come with it. My name is Brandon Turner, a best-selling real estate author with over a million copies of my book sold. And this here is an ad, that's right, a crummy commercial, but I'm actually not selling anything. I'm offering something. You see, I run a real estate investment company, we're called Opendoor Capital, where we acquire what's called value-add real estate nationwide to earn great returns for passive investors just like you. We've acquired hundreds of millions of dollars in mobile home parks and apartments, and we recently sold our first fund where we earned our investors over a 35% internal rate of return. And while our past performance is obviously no guarantee of future results, we do believe our track record speaks for itself. And best of all, we have an amazing deal right around the corner right now. So be sure to sign up for our email list at investwithodc.com to be notified when it's open for investment. That's investwithodc.com. Well, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
3: This is Caleb Spears. I am here with Oleg Bortman. And Oleg is one of the top agents in Arizona. And he has a fascinating story. So he was born originally in Ukraine. And his family moved to the United States in 1979. They were seeking out the American dream. Oleg studied biology at York College. And when he graduated, he actually worked his way up the ranks of one of the top pharmaceutical sales companies in the US. They were a Fortune 100 company. And uh, deep down, he said, you know, I like this, but I love real estate. So he made his first investment in 1999, quickly became captivated with real estate, with, with the profits that can be made, with the whole business aspect of it, expanded his own por- personal portfolio from New Jersey to Nevada, and then on to Arizona, where he's based now. And uh, finally, in 2009, he said, you know, I'm, I'm making all these investments in real estate. I would love to give other people that opportunity. So he got licensed in 09 jumped into the business, and has just been extremely successful ever since. Ole, welcome to the show, sir.
0: Hey, Luke, Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my story as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, so your family originally immigrated from Ukraine back in the 70s. What was that like?
0: Yeah, so I was born in 75 in Kiev. At that time, it was still under the whole uh, portfolio of the USSR, so the U- Soviet Union. Um, it was it was kind of challenging. Uh, we were Jewish immigrants and uh, America has opened their borders to us. It was only open until 1980 but Israel always took Jewish immigrants across the country across the world all the time. My parents were only focused to come to America. so my mom was 30, my father was 42. Uh, we came here in August so I was about three and a half years old and my sister was six. So we come to America in 79. We had to go through Austria and Italy, and uh, no one spoke any English. So imagine coming at my age right now, going to, let's say, Brazil, where they you speak Portuguese, or go, go to Spain, and I c- couldn't really assimilate myself with the language. Education levels for my parents were really off the charts. It was very different from what they were doing in, in Ukraine. So they started off, uh, my mom was a... Uh, seamstress making like a dollar an hour. My father was a sheet metal mechanic making a couple dollars an hour, all for the ability for my sister and I to, to live and dream in the American dream. So it was, it was pretty pretty amazing. Um, I was very blessed, I, I, you know, raising a family with incredible work ethic. So my parents worked two jobs, five, six, seven days a week. Um, we always had clothes on our back, you know, food on the table. I didn't know any difference. I played soccer growing up competitive soccer my father was a professional soccer player in Soviet Union at the time so um, I was always in a competitive sports Uh, I was always the smallest kid on the field (laughs) I was teased I had a different name spoke differently with a huge accent um, which just made me stronger and I just uh, I, I value and I thank my parents for giving us the opportunity and they left their parents and all their families behind to make our, my sister and my life so much better.
3: Well, that's fantastic. And I'm guessing, so, so you mentioned it made you stronger to have to overcome some of those challenges in your life, growing up in in kind of a different place, speaking a different language and maybe not understanding all the cultural things going on around you. I'm guessing too, having a father, that was a professional athlete. I mean, that takes a certain level of discipline and work ethic. What have you learned from, from him? And and how did that translate into your later life?
0: Yeah. So yes. So two things, obviously having a professional athlete as a father was one level and then having a father that was born in the Soviet union with the structure and uh, you know, requirements at home was even a, a whole different level what it what it taught me was two things um, if you ever came in second place you were the first loser so uh, <laughs> when I would play sports and I was like dad you know we came in second it goes oh you're the first loser so winning was the only definition so I hated to I hated to lose more than i love to win so in order to do that you had to work all the time and you always had to work harder than your neighbor your sibling your cousin um strangers so we worked around so our work ethic was at a whole different level um you can never be hurt so even if you're like oh i got kicked in the knee like and and you're playing on the field you couldn't be like hey coach take me out you would have to play through it. You couldn't let your team down. Um, so being a part of a team was always, always one of the key core values that was raised in my family. And when you promise to do something, even if it cost you money, you still had to honor the contract. So that discipline that my parents taught me was like, Hey, if you quoted me to fix my do my lawn for 80 bucks, and it took me three days instead of one day to even rake the leaves, you still would finish the job, even though it cost you money. So those are things that my father always instilled on me. You have to be honest, the integrity is there, and you always have to finish the job that you're going to start to do.
3: Yeah, my, um, I had a real similar experience growing up. So I, I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't an immigrant. My My father was not a professional athlete by <laughs> any stretch. But what he was, was he came from a military family. Mm-hmm. And so he had a very similar mindset of work ethic and discipline and doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And I remember growing up, it was frustrating, frankly, because I'd look around and my my friends would all uh, not be nearly in the same level of like pressure to do well yeah. and to do things at a high level. And I remember I, I would scrub the grill or cut the grass. And if I didn't do a good job, if I kind of slacked off because I wanted to go play or something, I was going to do that job again and yeah. again and again until I did it the right way. As a kid, that was so hard for me. But man, growing up, I just so appreciate my dad for, for having instilled that discipline in me. It sounds like you're, you're kind of in the same boat there.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, and I think when you, you even speak about your father who, you know, from the military and um, man, I love all our men and women that uh, sacrificed for my freedoms because I wasn't born here. My business partner, actually Tucker Blaylock, who's, in, who's a native of Arizona. He was a Marine, but I, you know, I, I thank all the men and women for our freedoms. And I think that's what attracted my business partner and I to come together in business is because of that work ethic that the military in a structure instills in people. And obviously, that's clearly why you're so successful as well in your career. And, it's, and it's so early in your career, it's just that we, we, we were ripped from a different cloth. Our parents taught us things that most most parents do not teach, um, and I was, I've been just blessed for that for sure.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's obviously it's it's obvious that that work ethic really did translate because you get out of college, you start working up the ranks of this Fortune one hundred, not 500, 100 pharmaceutical company. What was the, uh, the transition for you from that to real estate? Like, How did that occur? Because those are very different worlds.
0: Yeah. So um, Abbott was an amazing company I worked for. Uh, they taught me a lot. They spent a ton of money in training us. So I started off as a salesperson and then I got into management. But when I got into it and I started uh, my sales career, I think most realtors started somewhere like I did. I read a book that changed my life. Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. So I was uh, in my mid-20s, making good money in a pharmaceutical company, living in New Jersey, which is very, very expensive. So New Jersey is kind of a rat race. No matter how much you make, you make a hundred grand, you spend 120. You make 200,000, you spend 250 because Uncle Sam takes almost half of it anyway. So as you keep growing in your career, you're like, "Uh, this is not getting me too far. And And I thought I was a rock star in the first place. I'm like, I'm young, got a great job pharmaceutical company i'm going to retire in five years my you know i made 100 grand at the age of 25 I'm like oh a couple of years of this i'm retiring clearly that, that that's not how life works or how you pay for bills so i read, hmm. read i read rich dad poor dad and the thing that always stuck in me is that you know instead of having your money instead of you working for your money have your money work for you that's the thing that all resonated with me because rich dad poor dad his best friend's dad was a professor. And his dad, uh, Robert Kaisaki's dad, worked through his life, kind of blue-collar work. And he explained to me that when you start buying assets like real estate, you can then make your own career path. And when I was at Abbott, which was amazing, they would give me raises. I always felt I was worth more than what they paid me because the out outcome that I would produce for them as a salesman or a sales manager brought so much to the bottom line, but there was only a cap that they were willing to pay me. So that book triggered me to start investing in real estate. My first investment property, I bought 99. Then I started buying into Vegas condos for like 60 or 70,000 in 2003. And every year I made a commitment, every time we would get a bonus, I would buy two more properties. And that started my love, passion, and opening up my eyes at my God, I can't believe I can buy a property and somebody can pay it off and make money for me while I'm still doing another career. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Only in America can this be done.
3: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I, so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I absolutely love that book. Um, there's a follow-up book to it called Cash Flow Quadrant. Have you read
0: that one? No, I have not. Highly,
3: highly recommend it. It's the same author, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, but Cashflow Quadrant is kind of rich dad, poor dad on steroids. It's mm-hmm. he, he breaks down the nuts and bolts of that, what you're talking about, your assets versus your liabilities. Where's your cash coming in from? Where's it going out to? A lot of us think uh, certain things that appear like assets on paper, we think they're assets, but they're actually liabilities. <laughs> he breaks that concept down so well. I had a client who... He had a high school background in terms of his education level, and he has built a $20 million plus portfolio in real estate. And he was the one that turned me on to that book. He said, if you want to learn to do what I've done, read this book. It was these principles that led me to it. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. That is so powerful. Um, so you're invested in real estate. You started um, in the 90s, and the early 2000s. And then in 2009, clearly the best market we've ever had. <laughs> You decided to get into not only to investing into real estate, but to get your license. What led to the decision to get your license in that particular time frame?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So, um, you know, the, the, the nice thing is about 2009, it was like almost the bottom of the bottom. So if you can survive at the bottom, there's only one way up and that's up. Like you can't get any worse, right? What happened was in, in pharma, every two years or every year, the numbers come in, everyone does great and then they restructure. And this is one of those, you know, forks in the road that I had come about. I've been married at that point for almost three years. I wanted to start a family. And I was traveling still 200 nights a year for the pharmaceutical company. And I get a call in January and saying, hey, um, we're doing a restructure, which happens all the time. I, I would have to make some calls to the sales team. But I was getting now the call saying, hey, your territory has moved. At that time, my wife and I relocated back to Phoenix, where she's from. And they wanted me to be the district manager for Southern California. And I literally in 2008 just got moved by Abbott to Phoenix. And I was tired of moving. <laughs> I wanted to have kids. I wanted to live life. So they were on the phone and they said, yeah, you can, you have two options. Um, you can take the position and you can fly in every day because Southwest to San Diego is like a 45 minute flight. So they drive it to your territory, you can catch a flight daily. Or you could fly in for a couple of days, spend the night, come back and forth. And I was like, well, there's got to be always a third option. And the third option was a severance package, which I ended up taking, which was the best thing I could have ever done. It gave me time for the first time in my life to take a vacation because right out of college, um, I got a job working in pharma. So for almost 15 years, I was tied up. You get, you know, two weeks vacation, but you're never on vacation. When you work for a big corporation, numbers are on your head they call you whenever you want you're really not unwinding at all so I was like yeah I'll take the severance package so for the first two months of the severance package I was playing tennis five hours a week five hours a day I was getting my tan on I was I was living the life and my wife was like hey how long are you going to do this I said well I said, this is the first time in my life I'm getting a vacation and I'm getting paid to do it. So she was calling me like every day. Hey, have you started looking for a job? Long story short, get my real estate license. um, And I started still consulting to make some income in sales. And I got my real estate license in 2009 in Arizona. And ever since then, I didn't look back. What was so amazing though, I left a six-figure job to make commissions. Just think about it. The market tanks, as you know. Um condos that were selling for 200 are now being short sold by the bank for $40,000. And do the math. So $40,000 is going to take you eight months because the bank has to push the paper. And they're not giving you a 3% commission. They're giving you 2.5% co-broke. So you make $1,000, waiting eight months for it to close. And then you got to split with a broker. So I left a six-figure job to make $600 commissions on deals. When you get into business, a new business, it's not like you get 50 deals a, a month. You're barely struggling to get a deal here, a deal there. Um, so I learned how to grind it out. I mean, I was always a grinder anyway. And I knew that if I can make a living out of $40,000 transactions in 2009, when the market starts getting better and my network keeps growing and my reputation keeps growing, we have nowhere but to go straight on. And that was the story of how I got in my license here in 2009 in Arizona.
3: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I love to the, Hey honey, when are you, when are you going to get a job? How long are you going to do this? <laughs> well, I don't know how long I'm going to do it. How much money we got? until <laughs> <laughs> That runs out then I'll figure it out.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh,
3: so, so you started out. So, so my brother, who, who's one of the top agents in the country, I mean he's done over a billion dollars in sales. He's 30 years old. He started in the same market. He got licensed in 08. Now he sell his average sales price is probably $5 million, but he started out with, rat infested trailers and foreclosures for 40 grand, same very similar story. And he really credits that with giving him the, not only the work ethic to really be able to, like you said, grind through some of these tough times that we inevitably face in our industry, but also it gave him the focus of like, I don't want to do this market segment forever. I I know what I want to be. I know what I want to do. And it's the high end. Correct. Your business has obviously taken a transition towards the high end as well as you've grown. Tell me about what that looked like. Like, what were some of the strategies you used to go from, hey, I'm doing these foreclosures to now you're selling multi million dollar properties?
0: Yeah. So we niched ourselves. So I grew up on the East Coast working for a pharmaceutical company. When I came to Arizona, Arizona is a very casual market, probably like, you know, Florida, flip flops, polo shirts. I come to Arizona in suit, three-piece suits and a tie. So as I was showing clients houses and they're looking at a million or $2 million home, you, I didn't know if that was the owner opening up at the door or the realtor, my clients were shocked, like who is this in flip-flops or Birkenstocks and, and shorts showing a 2 or $3 million house. So what I felt this market was missing was a level of professionalism For both clients and sellers, the buyers and sellers. So I kept, I still, to this day, I wear a suit. So I've been licensed in 09 and, you know, it was 108 degrees yesterday or 114 degrees. I still wear a full suit, tie shirt to go to work. And my business partner was a local and he was very casual and, but we decided to create a team called The Suits. That's what, before the movie, the TV show hit, but we, we came up with The Suits and that helped us differentiate ourselves into a market that, that was very casual. And then we hung our license with an office. This was really a, a game changer for us. So um, for those that are familiar with the, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, there's a, one of the oldest historic hotels called the Arizona Biltmore Hotel. That was a Frank Lloyd Wright inspired hotel. It was built in 1929. And there was a broker in there that had an office in the lobby of the hotel. So after I got my license... I found this office i interviewed and she hired me and you know you're in there with business professionals they have 700 rooms so you have corporate meetings all the time but the hotel is surrounded with 23 different subdivisions for really secondary markets so people buying secondary homes kind of like you mentioned there's a huge demand for where you're at and in 2009 those homes were probably worth you know anywhere from on a low end 400 um, to a couple million dollars. But before the market crashed, there was, you know, one and a half to $10 million, $12 million things. So I niched myself in this brokerage that had an office in the Biltmore Hotel that long-term meant what I wanted to do is work that luxury home market. Because I understood that doing a $300,000 transaction, a $40,000 transaction or a $6 million transaction it's still the same, same paperwork, same effort. A lot of times on that lower end market, it's actually harder to close because you have lenders involved, you have inspections involved. The price point is so finicky in that, like if they won't do a repair, that buyer can't close. On a two or six million dollar, they're cash buyers. Appraisers are not a big of a deal. They can handle replacing a roof for two hundred thousand where a first time homebuyer can't always repair a roof for $6,000 when they're spending 300 grand to buy a house. Hey, real estate rock stars.
1: This is Air Bucastegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM?
2: We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting.
3: Uh, we call them action plans and Follow Up Boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow Up Boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, Call Action, all those different products.
2: I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to Follow Boss.
3: Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Rivety, Sync, I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones, but me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion, and I think Follow Boss gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple, and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform yet at the same time, it's still affordable.
2: I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me.
3: Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list-based, that's fine. If I want to go task-based, it's fine.
2: I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user-friendly.
3: It just really helps me never drop a ball because it, it's so user-friendly.
2: I don't have a one horse in the race of Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow Up Boss has been the best one that we've
3: found.
1: Now, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So, here's what we got for Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30 day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So, in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out. Especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I wh- Okay, so you said a couple of things that I think are brilliant. So number one, in a market where everyone is fairly casual, you dressed for the job you wanted. You dressed for the perception of luxury, even though that may not have been what you were working initially. Yep. And then you went out of your way to position yourself in an environment where you'd be able to rub elbows and meet people that had the means to buy and sell the properties you wanted to, to eventually buy and sell. I, I'm similar in the sense that most of the appointments I go on... I. I wish it was every appointment like you. I'm trying to get better at it, but most of the appointments I go on, I will wear a suit jacket and a nice button up. And in our market, it's the same way. You'll have flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt and that's that's your luxury agent. I really do believe it sets you apart in someone's mind when you dress up to the standard of the homes and the clients that you're working with. And I think too, that that's key to be in and around those people so that, as you're sharpening your ax, as you're doing the paperwork, you're getting better at the process. All of a sudden, you might get some of these nuggets about a deal coming on market or something. And you can speak with confidence about the real estate market, about the process of buying and selling to these individuals and gain their trust. So uh, you, you had an excellent strategy. I love that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And again, it's a lot of, you know, when I was a farmer, they, taught, they spent a ton, tons of money on developing us and I've and then reading the book and seeing I, I think as a also as an immigrant, I look at every day that it's a it's a gift from God. Like every day I wake up on my own and I can see my wife and my kids, it's another present the man upstairs gave me. And I wanna utilize every single cause I, I have no idea. I'm in my mid forties. I don't know if I'm gonna live till forty seven or if I'm gonna live till ninety-nine. I'm not going to say 100, but let's say 99. But every day that I have, I cherish, like, it could be my last. And I want to learn something, meet somebody new, and maybe impact their life the way God has given the ability for people to impact my life. So that's just my mindset. I just love life. And uh, I love every opportunity. I I get calls. I'm I'm sure you do too, Caleb. being a, you know, creating your own team. I get calls. So, my business partner and I, we own the brokerage now. And I get calls from bro- other brokers that, hey, I just want to have a lunch meeting. I get calls from agents. I take almost every single meeting that somebody calls in real estate, commercial, residential, they might want to buy me. I may want to buy I have no idea. What I could say to all agents whenever you get a call from another broker to sit down and meet, always say yes. I'm not saying you're going to move. And the reason I meet with all these other brokers from big, big ones to small ones, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know what their culture is doing. I I want to learn. I want to share. I'm an open book. Like I'd love to share because it's very difficult. I know most people do not have the same work ethic as me or you or my business partner. So for them to duplicate what we have is very, very, very difficult. So I don't mind sharing successes. And what I love about America is that I love to see people make money. You you could be broke today. You could be a billionaire tomorrow and broke two days later and a week later be another billionaire. This is the only country that allows that kind of success because the network is huge. And if you have the work ethic, you can make that successful in any platform. So when I call agents and they're like, oh, I'm happy, that's great. I'm not, even, I'm not even offering you a position here yet. All I'm offering is to sit down and have coffee because I want to see what you're doing. I want to share, Maybe I can help your game and you stay where you're at. But every time you close the door to somebody, you're closing in an opportunity that you just do not even know about yet.
3: A hundred percent. I love that. I love that so much. There's a quote from, I believe it was the founder of Heinz Ketchup. And he said, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but he said, I don't do anything special. I make ketchup. Mm-hmm. I just do a common thing uncommonly well. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you're saying. You're like, look, I don't do anything crazy. I sell houses, uh-huh. but I do it uncommonly well. And therefore I believe so much in what I'm doing. I'm not threatened that you're going to steal my secrets. There are no secrets. I'm happy to help you. I'm happy to help your business and, uh, and we'll learn and grow together. And that's, I feel the exact same way. Whenever I, I've met agents before, they like, they wrap their arms around what's theirs and they're like, don't come near it. This is mine. This is my market territory. This is my whatever, you know, this yeah. is my process. I'm like, there's enough to go around. Hi. You know, there's, there's so much abundance. And so one thing I was reading about you in preparation for the podcast, it, you were ranked at, by some huge magazine in Arizona. The, one of the top places in Arizona to work and that to me immediately spoke to your culture because you don't get voted top place to work because of how much money there is on the table or how many houses you're selling. There are other achievements and accolades for those things. You get voted best place to work for culture. And I, I'm, I'm hearing it already and how you're speaking about your openness. You're willing to take meetings. But tell me a little bit more about how you've built this incredible culture that you have.
0: Yeah, so when we hire, the first thing we look for is culture. So we try to treat everybody like family here. So we have five full-time staff that support uh, our business. So we have a director of operations, we have a director of marketing, transaction coordinating in-house, graphic designer, designated broker. All of our employees, not the agent, but all our employees, have health benefits and a 401k. So think about on a small business model like we have created, The reason our people stay is because we try to share our growth with them. Um, So culture is the number one thing. We interview agents all the time, and we want to make sure that they will treat every single person with the same level of respect as we treat them. So how do we hire? That's very different, too, for agents. So an agent will come in, they'll meet with Tucker and myself and our director of operations, Hannah, we have a first meeting. If it goes well, great. We talk about the splits, whatever. For them to get hired, they have to come back and sit in with a panel of three or four of our other agents to make sure there's no cattiness. There's no, oh my God, they're too good for us. So our hiring process for agents is very intense to make sure our culture that we've created doesn't get uh, eaten up by one single bad seed at the office. So we we're always about open. My office is always open. We have a door. I don't know why we have a door because it's never closed. And we, and we, we, I'll say here, and if an agent's complaining about something, I'll hear them out. I want to know why they feel that way. Is it some, is it a rumor? Is it a factual thing? And then we try to address it. So, um, uh, I take feedback very well, and I also tell people, listen, there's 5,800 brokerages right now in Arizona. Just think about it. Two months ago, before we got a spike in housing, there were more brokerages than, how, than inventory. We had like 4,500 homes, and there was 5,800 brokerages with 90,000 realtors trying to sell 4,500 homes. Whoa." It's insane. It, the, 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 the numbers just do not pan out. So I tell people, this is what we do. I don't have a work-life balance, but I want you to have a work-life balance. And we will create that environment for you. But this is what I chose to do. So that's why we have a graphic designer because I'm good at sales. I'm awful at marketing. If you're not good at sales and great at marketing, great. I will teach you how to be a good salesperson. So we have a graphic designer that makes all the content for everybody look beautifully the same for all. We have a transaction coordinator because paperwork takes a lot of time. So we have made a culture here that all you have to do is interact with your network and prospect. Who doesn't want to sign up for that?
3: Yes. We're the, so we're very similar. So we have a PR person who handles a bunch of our, our marketing stuff and our organic um, placements and different publications. We've got two full-time transaction coordinators too, because we have 10 agents. So it's a lot of, a lot of paperwork. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we really try to set our team up the same way where it's like, Hey, as an agent, there's one thing you can't replace in your business. And it's you, I can't replicate Oleg on the phone with a client, right? Or showing a house to a high level and articulating how incredible this home is and all the finer points of the features. But what I can replace for you is creating great social media posts that you can just grab and go and, and put it out there, or, uh, you know, handling the paperwork or scheduling inspections and, and, and appraisals and things like that. I mean, that's brilliant. I feel like you could, you could literally write the book on on leadership too, because you're saying, "Look, not only am I am I running a great system, I'm open to feedback. My door is always open. The goals that my agents have, I, I recognize they're going to be different from mine. I need to understand how I can help them reach their goals. It's a very others focused model. So that's phenomenal. I read on the website too um, on on the brokerage's website, which is Y'all's Brokerage over there in Arizona that you are, you've helped your newer agents frequently achieve two to three times their previous sales volume in their first year at your brokerage. Do you attribute that to the plug-and-play system you've got, or is it a combination of things?
0: Yeah. So the plug-and-play system is, is amazing here. So what happens when they come here, they have very little credibility in the market, but all our broker, all our agents can advertise all our brokerages' listings On their social media platform so we're as open as we are we share all the new listings so they instantly get credibility on the 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 pr portion of it the other thing that we hold very close to our chest and we're very proud of is the mentorship here so my coach um we used to have coaching pods and every every agent every other week we sit in a pod for about an hour and a half Most agents that come here don't even know what a business plan is. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to sell eight million dollars. How? What's the average transaction? How are you going to sell it? I'm going to make three hundred grand. All right. Well, okay, three hundred grand. That means how are you going to work the numbers backwards? Well, how much you have to sell? I have no idea, but I'll make three hundred thousand. Right? You see this all the time. So well, so if you sold fifteen million at three percent, that's four fifty. The company takes a split. You spend some more. Are you able to sell 15? No, I can't sell 15 million bucks, but then you're not going to make 300,000. So let's start with a realistic goal of what you're going to sell the first year. And then we start coaching. I, help, I hold them accountable. Okay. Every other week we're meeting. Did you, did you do three open houses this week? Did you call four people a day for the last two weeks? Do you have any coffee appointments set up? Do you have any lunch appointments set up? No, I was busy what were you busy? You had 40 hours to work this busy week. With what? With what, right? <laughs> like they're all busy and they have so many excuses. So by holding them accountable in these coaching pods is what elevates them. If Imagine if everyone just showed up, why do corporations work? Because corporations pay you 40 grand a year to work eight to four, eight to five every day. You show up in an office. They know that 60% of the time you're on Facebook, and, but they're at least going to get 40% of your time working on whatever tasks they ask you to do. The challenge with agents, they can't hold themselves accountable because they're not structured. So the structure that we've created, kind of the structure you were raised and the structure I was raised in, we created this structural model that will help them go two, three, four-fold from what they've done at the previous Brokerage because no one's going to hold them accountable. The other brokerage is what do they do, right? So you, you get your license, you go to another big box store, and they throw you onto a team, right? And a team, team takes 50 50, and they say, hey, we're going to do 50 50. You get to my open houses and go figure it out. So once in a while, they throw you a lead. They still show up, do two open houses a month. They work six hours a week, and they're like, oh my God, I work so hard. I don't know why my results are not there. I'm like, dude, you worked six hours this week. Yeah, like six hours before noon today. Like, give me a break. So, creating structure for agents will always have them succeed in this business. That's, that's one of the things we do.
3: That's brilliant too, because everyone that I talk to who's a, a new agent or thinking about being an agent, I hear it. I mean, almost nine times out of ten. Oh my gosh, I want to get into real estate for the freedom. And it's like, yeah, you do have freedom. That's the good news. You get to make your own hours. You still got to make the hours, though. <laughs> you can't just watch Netflix until noon and make three phone calls and go, oh my God, I didn't make any sales this week. Like, that's, you have to be in the office. And so, for me, one thing that was transformative in my own business was when I, I decided, you know what? This isn't my hobby. I need to run this like a business. I need to have office hours, I need to have structure. And then I love to, just to circle back to what you're saying about, well, as a new agent, I want to make, I want to make $300,000 this year. Well, how are you going to do it? Right. Because the money you make is a lag measure. It's, it's a, it's a end product. It's an end goal. That's like saying, I want to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Are you going to go to football practice? Are you going to form a team? Who's going to be your quarterback? Are you going to know the playbook? Like there's all these inputs there's all these lead measures that have to go into that final goal. And what I found is, is most agents lack the prior knowledge on how to structure a business, how to, how to create that framework of discipline in order to reach their goal. It's not necessarily a lack of motivation or, or willpower or, or want to. It's a lack of framework. And so that sounds like you're really making headway and giving that to agents And man, I tell you, those big box brokerages, they just hand you a phone book and say, good luck. So (laughs) that's huge.
0: Yeah. And you you said, so you've been in the Florida market and your brother started in 08, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing to see the kind of growth over, you know, a decade, decade and a half. So it's, and it's great. I mean, again, I'm so blessed that I, I have a great business partner. We have the infrastructure now in place. So as we continue to grow and open up more offices we already have a model that works
3: 100% and I, so speaking of growth I saw I think it said in your first year you you did something like 2 million in sales volume and then it was I want to say 2020 was the recent most recent stat I found was 200 million I'm sure 2021 was even bigger than that so yeah. that I mean that's massive growth clearly what you're doing is working
0: yeah so we bought our previous broker that hired us in 17 and we bought her out that year, Tucker and I did 28 million. The team was the suits of her 35 million as a broker. So we ended up buying her out cause we we're doing 80, 90% of our business. So since we took over the brokerage in 17, uh, in 21, last year we did it as a company, $335 million. Wow. Um, and on this year we're on track to do a half a billion dollars, um, as a company. That's huge. Wow. So it's so we like in five years, we 10 x our our model. Now we obviously increased uh, our agents count as well. But of the also when we started Tucker and I 10, 10, 10, 11 years ago, we did 2 million that year. Last year we did almost $90 million, just the two of us of the 350, 335 of the company. So we're still about 25 to 30% of the production. We're trying to lower our production and have the company and do like 90% as we keep growing the company and giving other agents opportunities to join our model.
3: That's fantastic. We're, uh, we're slowly but surely working towards the same goals (laughs) on our end. Because, you know, it's, it's great to, uh, to have a high personal sales volume, but there is such a satisfaction. And this was, we were talking before the podcast, and you were just, you were saying the same thing, you love watching other people succeed and make money and grow and achieve their family's goals. And I just love that. I love how it, it truly seems like your focus is on others. And you're reaping the rewards naturally. And I think that's, right. that's how business should be, right? Like, that's Agreed.
0: beautiful. Agreed. I agree. You know, I'll I, I ask you a quick question, Caleb. So as you, as you have guys grown an incredible business as well, and you see agents that came over doing, let's say, five, a million bucks or five million bucks, it doesn't matter. But now they're triple, three, four, five fold. How often do you get pushed back? are like, oh, I think my splits are too high. When they came here, they loved it because they made no money. Then year two, they make more. Year three, and then they start going shopping. Now they think they can duplicate it somewhere else at a at a smaller split. Explain to yep. me, like how how do you have those conversations, and how frustrating is it for you knowing that you invested all this time to mentor them, and they look to go somewhere else? It, it
3: is very frustrating for sure because I I think one of the reasons people get into real estate, the biggest reason probably is unlimited potential for income. Correct. And when you're on your own and you don't have that structure, that framework to succeed, and you're making 20 grand in a year and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on food stamps if I don't figure this out. Yep. You get plugged into a great team like, like you have at the brokerage and all of a sudden you're doing 20 million in sales volume. You're eating good. You're taking fun vacations. And you think, well, shoot, I can do this anywhere. Why am I giving the brokerage half? Um, and, and to some degree, I, I get it. I get that as you grow, you want the chance to earn a promotion essentially over time. You know? and, that, and that makes sense to me in the sense of if I have a really tenured agent who's doing a huge amount of volume, I don't have to put in a ton of input anymore into their business because they're really self-sufficient. Get, they're getting a lot of referrals and they're, you know, their clients are their clients. That guy probably should get paid a little more. Than the person that is brand new or has very little experience. I'm having to really input a lot of time into coaching them and building their business. So what we have recently switched to is a graduated split structure based on production. So our so you basically bump up in your split as you produce throughout the year. And then in a calendar year, our more tenured agents will reset to a higher base level than our brand new agents. And so they get rewarded. And, and what that's done for us is have the ability to retain this top talent that we've helped to build and, and, and be able to profit together in the long run rather than having this adversarial relationship of I want more money. Well, so do I. Let's you know, now it's like, hey, totally. as you produce, you're rewarded for that and you feel grateful for that. And you get to utilize our brand name that we've built because. There is something there's a synergy that happens that I think a lot of top agents on a team miss out on recognizing there's a real synergy in having something like Spears Group or the brokery behind your name and your own skill set. Those two things. It's like an exponent. It takes the number you're at and just multiplies it by double. And so I want to retain that talent and we try to pay them accordingly on a a graduated split.
0: That's a great idea. I appreciate you sharing it sharing your successes on retaining the top talent. That's uh, excellent.
1: Hey guys, this is Aaron Muchastegui for another quick commercial break, but this is something a lot of you guys have been asking about. When we had our mastermind in May, we had a lot of people ask us about coaching, about how can we continue this process? Because so many of the people, so many of you guys out there listening to the podcast, you don't have resources where you are. You don't have other people nearby that can be mentors for you, that you can bounce ideas off of. And this business can be really, really lonely if you're not doing it with other people. So we have just now launched a great program for you, and it's just Hyben Digital Coaching. It's it's Real Estate Rockstars Coaching. And here's what we do: we've got a, we've got a spot you can go to. You go to RealEstateRadio.fm forward slash Coaching. We have individual one-on-one coaching where, if you sign up, we match you up with a coach and we figure out like who's going to be the best coach for you for a couple calls a month it's not that much money it i think it's gonna be 950 bucks a couple calls a month with a coach that's been where you're going and they're going to try to help you and then we also have group coaching for a lot less where you can sign up and you can get in group coaching with groups of 10 and we can do calls every couple weeks uh, with different people that'll guide you through that process so if you've been getting a lot from this mastermind but you think you would get a little bit more for some one-on-one coaching from somebody who is has been exceeding in real estate, go to realestateradio.fm forward slash coaching, realestateradio.fm forward slash coaching and sign up. We can't wait to find somebody to help you
3: we really have had a really high retention rate. The only people that we've had to part ways with, it was truly a mutual decision where it just wasn't a good culture fit or maybe we -hmm. misunderstood their goals in the beginning. So we just weren't in alignment. But of the agents that we feel have fit the culture, uh, they've all grown their business exponentially exponentially they're all thriving. They're all happy. And we've, we've yet to have any, any real major casualties. And I think it's a, a big reason is we, we looked in the mirror and said, you know what, if we want to keep top talent, we can have a volume model where we just have 200 brand new agents that don't know what they're doing. And we're taking half and coaching them and eventually they're going to graduate. That's, that's a viable model. There's nothing wrong with it, Yep. but we prefer a quality model. So if we're going to retain this quality talent, we're going to need to do what it takes to keep the quality talent
0: great idea okay do you have any cap programs on at your place
3: cap in uh in what
0: sense so they they can only like once they hit a certain amount they pay no more to the house for the rest of the year i know you have a graduated scale do you cap anybody out
3: we, we typically cap at seventy five twenty five as the maximum, because we're still covering a lot of overhead and we, gotcha. we feel like, you know, if, if there's a producer that's really producing that high of a level, they're essentially paying us a referral fee at that point to leverage the brand name. And we're covering some of their overhead and they're just going out and running their business.
0: Gotcha. You know? And also
3: being good culture, people being good fits, helping the younger agents along. And, you know, there, there's a whole, there's a whole, um, a fuller picture to that than just their production, right? We want people that are are truly great for our business in, in all facets. And we want to reward them for that and retain them with that. But no, we don't ever get to a hundred zero because we, we cover overhead. We cover some expenses like marketing. We've got those transaction coordinators. So yep. we have some salaries we got to cover and, and you know, there's, there's a mutual, a mutual
0: benefit there. Yep. Okay. Very cool.
3: Well, I appreciate your time, Oleg. It has been such a pleasure, sir. Where can people find you when they've got those Arizona referrals?
0: Yeah, so uh, Oleg Bortman, and it's Oleg at Brokery.com. Oleg at brokery.com. Easiest is my cell phone. It's always with me. It's 602 402 2296. 602 402 2296. And also, if you're out there listening and you have referrals coming in, great. Also, call me if you're in a different state, because I do have clients that are looking to move outbound as well. So um, Caleb, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Uh, the reputation of you know the podcast is amazing and I'm just uh, fortunate and blessed that you were able to slot me in. So thank you so much.
3: Absolutely, sir. It's been such a pleasure learning from you and uh, Real Estate Rockstars, we'll talk to you next time. All right,
1: Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui,